I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and we will read from verse 6. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning our reading at the sixth verse of the chapter. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not that ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. We're looking at those last uh, few verses there. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as, wise, or not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's just unite together, please, the throne of grace in prayer. Our loving God and our Father in heaven, we just thank thee for thy blessing here today. We thank thee we can gather around thy word afresh. And we'd ask thee that thou wast enable us, Lord, to look up and that we might set our affection upon things above and not on the things of the earth. So, Lord, help us now and bless us. We consider this subject of redeeming the time, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Now, we're still considering say, some of these things that Christians struggle with. We've thought about temptation. We uh, thought about troublesome people. We thought about uh, the tongue, and we thought about the temper, and today, I want to think about something that most of us, or I think probably all of us, struggle with, and that's time management. Now, maybe you're a little bit surprised at me coming up with that, but it is something that each one of us struggle with. I, many of us, and I'm sure all of us at times, would have said, well, I wish I had more time to do this or that, and more time to spend um, reading the Bible, more time to spend praying, more time to spend with my family, more time to do this and that. And we're always exhausted, and we are maybe uh, filled with the uh, hustle and bustle of this time. And uh, you're saying, well, I wish I had more time, more time to do the things that I feel that I should do. Sometimes we feel like a slave to the clock, and we can't even take a breather. And maybe you've thought about how much emphasis we place upon time. We have uh, the days of our lives 
Uh, they're divided into hours, into weeks, and months, birthdays, events, deaths. And we uh, are creatures of time, not really creatures of eternity. And we fill our lives with all sorts of activities. Some of the activities we fill our lives with, we'd be better without. Some of the uh, things that we fill our lives with would be better, do- or would be better done better, and that we would uh, uh, use our time more fruitfully. Well, I want us to think about that today, because the Bible, as we've read, does say something about the management of our time. It says there in the text, he says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And it has been well said that every day is 24 hours, uh, 1100 or 1440 minutes, 86,000 seconds. And it's a precious gift from God. And God is calling us as good stewards to make use of the time that we have. It's loaned to us. And what we do with the time is going to be something that we'll be brought to account for. If God was to give you uh, £1,440 every day, well, uh, you would be very careful, I'm sure, about the way that you spend it. But, you know, we think of what uh, Benjamin E. Mayers wrote very succinctly, and he said, I've only just a minute with 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me how I use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Charles Hummel said, the greatest danger is letting the urgent or the secular things crowd out the important or the divine things. So this is something I think that every one of us will identify with today. What does the Bible have to say about our time management, about redeeming the time? Well, I want us to think about that just for a few minutes in our meeting this morning. And first of all, I want us to think about the wisdom of redeeming time. We see there in Ephesians 5, he says that we are to redeem the time. See that then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. And he says that this is the circumspect way of walking. This is the wise way of doing it. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And there's a wisdom in looking after the time that we have been given. And there are a number of reasons why it is wise to look after time. And the first thing is that time is precious. Time is a word here that doesn't mean clock time. When he says redeeming the time, it's not what he's speaking about minutes and hours and days. What he's really speaking about here in this portion of Scripture is opportunities. And he's speaking there, and we are given that small window of time that we have an opportunity to do something or not. And that's really the thought that he is bringing before us here in this portion of Scripture. One minute 
follows the next one minute, and we have only an opportunity to work in that one minute because all that we have is now. All that we have is this very present minute. And you think of what it says in the Bible. Job said in Job 14 and 5, Seeing as days are determined, and the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. He says again, Job 14 and 4, 14, If a man die, shall he live again. All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. So he speaks about the fact that time is precious, that we have only a certain number of minutes, that we have only a certain amount of time. So every minute that we have is precious. But not only is it precious, but it's passing. We think of how, while it is limited, also we recognize that time is passing away. We think of what James said in James 4 and 14. He said, that whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little season and then vanisheth away. T.C.T. Studs, uh, the missionary, wrote these lines. I'm not going to give you them all, but I'm going to give you some of what he wrote. He said, two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in, then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for the better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave, and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each one with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its days I must fulfill, Living for self or in his will, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And then skipping down to the end of the poem, he said, Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. And dear friend, we see the truth of that. The watchword, Spurgeon, greatly observed. Now is the watchword of the wise. Later may be too late. Right now counts forever. And in many ways, it's now or never. We, we, we live in the world of instant replay, but there's no replay as far as our lives are concerned. So time is precious, and time is passing, and then time has to be possessed. 
You think of what he says here, redeeming the time. And the word redeeming there is a word that is taken from the marketplace in those days, particularly the slave market. It literally means to buy out in the marketplace. It is the picture of the merchant and he is uh, selling his wares and somebody comes along and buys out the wares, particularly if it was the selling of slaves, buying out the uh, slaves' um, sentence, as it were, buying out their bondage and setting them free. And here is Paul's idea. He's, He's buying out the time. He is possessing the time. He is making the most of his opportunities that present themselves. And you know, we need to do that too. And the word not only has that sense redeeming, but it has the time, the thought here of particular seasons, redeeming the time or redeeming the seasons. You know, each season of the year has a particular focus. Spring is the season of sowing. Uh, Harvest time in the autumn time or the late summer, the harvest is the summer, late summer or the autumn, is the time of harvest. And you know, it's the same in our lives. There are particular seasons. The young people that are here, maybe the boys and girls, that's your season to learn. The young people here, it's your season of strength. And when you're at your height, as it were, and instead, you know, many ways in this day and generation, young people have to be entertained and fed. But no, you're at the height of your strength and you need to be out there doing something. But also you need to be relying on the wisdom of those that are old. Because when we get older, we have experience. We have experienced things. We've gone through things. We know the mistakes that we have made and we're able to uh, see that and show that. So there is the wisdom of the old. And every season of our lives has its strength and its weakness, but it has their strength. And we need to make use of the opportunities that come to every season of life. As as, uh, Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. So whatever stage of life you're at, there is strength. Whether it is strength in the young, wisdom in the old, uh, there are strengths that we can use to see great things done for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we think of the wisdom of redeeming the time Because time is precious, and time is uh, passing, and time is to be possessed. But then, I want you to look at the ways of redeeming time. We think here about the things that God wants us to do. You know, um, uh, God wants us to become more and more like him. And the end that God has for every child of God is that in the Christian life we be more like him. It says in 1 John 3, verses 1 to 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, 
and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So as we redeem time, what we are doing is that as God's people, we are seeking to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in order to use our time wisely, then the first thing that we need to do is to have priorities. You're not going to be able to do everything. You know, sometimes we start out, and maybe that's the problem, that we think we can do everything. There are times when you've got to have to say no. There are priorities in your life, and you've got to, uh, there are uh, things that are important in your life, and you've got to prioritize them. You've got to see what is most important, and then you've got to spend your time on that. And there are things that need to be done and things that are valuable, but they are maybe the least important. And maybe you can dispense with them at times, and you can say no to some of those things. So we've got to prioritize. Now, as we look at the Bible, the Bible gives us indications as to what our priorities should be. And the first priority is to spend time with God. The Lord has to have the first place in our lives. He's our maker. He's our redeemer. He's the one who has uh, come into this world and shed his precious blood that we might be redeemed. And he's got to have the first in our time. He's got to have the first in our priorities. There are many things that we can say no to in life, but we can't say no to God. We can't say no to the worship of God. We can't say no to what he wants us to do. The Bible says the Lord himself put it very well in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be had added unto you. And we think of the priority that the Bible gives us. And our lives are busy and they're cluttered, and they're all kinds of things that will use up our time and sadly and frequently, uh, sometimes we don't have the Lord and his worship as the most important thing in our life. But it ought to be. It says in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy might, rather, and that shows us that God is to have the highest place in our lives. Now, I wonder today, does the Lord have the highest place in our life? Does the worship of God have that priority? Did we, do we spend God, time with God? Do we spend time in his presence? We'll come to the practicalities of this in a wee minute. I don't agree a lot with C.S. Lewis. There are many problems with C.S. Lewis. But one time he said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It's got to be the most important in your life. So that's the first priority. Spend time with God. Then another priority, but it's got to be second. Spend time with your family. The family has been ordained by God and is established as another institution of God. 
God established government and he established uh, families and he established marriage and all of these things right at the very beginning. And it's very interesting to see in this day and generation that all of those things are under attack. I think one of the silver linings of the COVID crisis was that in many places people had to spend more time with their family. But we must guard against being workaholics. There will always be something else to be done. And you know, many times we have said to our children, well, I can do it sometime. Uh, I can uh, do it in a little while, just a, little, just a wee minute. We, we do that so very often. But you know, at the end of our lives, maybe we will regret not spending more time with our family and more time with those around us. So that is a, it's a, it's a subordinate importance, but it's got to be, a, 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 taking that, that's got to be a high importance. Spend time with your family. Then spend time on others. Now, I'm not going to say that um, you shouldn't spend time on yourself because that is, you've got to look after yourself. You've got to look after your health. We'll say a wee bit about that in a wee minute. You've got to look after your health. You've got to spend time on um, bringing in enough food for the house and so on. But we have to also be those that are focused on others. We should not be preoccupied upon ourselves. We think of that time, we think of the Lord, how he chose 12 disciples. And we think about James and John at one time. And they wanted to be the highest among them. They, they wanted to be the chief under the Lord. But you remember what the Lord said to them in Mark 10, verses 43 to 45. He says, but so shall it be among you, that whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you shall be chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So even the Lord Jesus came to minister. He came to look after the affairs of others. And so there's got to be priority in our lives. I'm going to run out of time in this now, but the next thing, you've not only got to have priorities, but you're going to have to have planning. Now, you've got, God's a planner. God knows the end from the beginning, and we have to be planners too. Now, planning doesn't mean, it's not about filling every moment with busy work and organizing yourself so that you're exhausted at the end of the day. Planning will involve your priorities. So we've, if, we're going, if we're going to make sure that the priorities are put into effect, you've got to plan it. If you, if you don't plan it, it'll not happen. So you've got to plan. And you've got to plan then for time for God. That includes praying. Psalm 55, verse 17 the psalmist said, evening and morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. First Thessalonians 5 and 17, pray without ceasing. And that means, obviously, that prayer's got to have an important part in our lives. In another place, we read in Acts 17 and 11, 
that the people, the early Bereans there, they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So this was daily in their schedule. It was in their plan. I don't know about you, but I sometimes find if I get out of the routine, then sometimes you can find that you leave out the time for God, particularly when you're on your holidays. Anyway, when I'm on holidays, sometimes you get up in the morning and there's breakfast and you go down for breakfast and maybe you're in a hotel or something and it's at a certain time you go down for breakfast and you're out of your routine and you get to the end of the day and you realize, I haven't had my time with God. I haven't prayed today. And you can get, that's why you need a plan. That's why it's got to have, it's got to be a schedule. You've got to put it into a schedule. This is my time when I spend time with God. It's got to be planned. So you've got to spend, plan to have time with God. You've got to have a, a plan for t- time with your family and friends. Um, we think about how it says in Ephesians 6 and 4, and ye fathers, Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if we're going to do that, there's got to have to be time for it. And sometimes our families, because there are families and we love them and we know that they love us, sometimes they can be pushed to the side. Oh, well, we'll do the other thing. No, we've got a plan for time for the family. Time for friends, time for work. The fourth commandment tells us that we are to have time for work, and that's important too. We've got to work. We've got to plan for our health. That's got to be important. We've got to plan for the household chores, to do the things, maintenance and things that are necessary. We're not like the man in the Proverbs who went um, into the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns. And we can't be like that. Time for learning. Time for rest and recreation. The Lord told his disciples, come ye apart into a desert place and rest a while. And he was concerned about that. So there is to be planning. And sometimes those things, we can get them out of sync and we can get them um, so that some of the things are forced out. All of those things have to be important. But not only do we prioritize and plan, but we need to produce. We need to be productive. All right, planning and prioritizing, but we actually need to do the things. Charles Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, is one of the most um, productive Christians. And in his autobiography, he wrote, and I quote, I have to look after the orphanage, have charge of a church, with 4,000 members. Sometimes there are marriages and burials to be undertaken. There's the weekly sermon to be revised, the sword and the trowel, which was his magazine, to be edited. Beside all that, a weekly average of 500 letters to be answered. This, however, is only half my duty, for there are innumerable churches established by friends with the affairs of which I am closely connected to say nothing of the cases of difficulty which are constantly referred to me. And at the age of 60, or at the age of 50, uh, Spurgeon was part of 66 organizations. He read six books a week. He wrote 140 books during his lifetime. He worked 
uh, for 20 years, often 18 hours a day, he was productive. And we think of why we are to be so productive. Paul tells us here, because the days are evil. He says in Romans 14, or Romans 13, verses 11 to 14, and knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the arm of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. And we need to redeem the, the time because Satan, the old devil, is seeking to put other things into our time and he will fill our time. So we need to make sure that we redeem our time, the way of redeeming time. Just a few minutes on the wealth of redeeming time. We have the wealth of God's promise here. He says we can redeem time. Now, I've said that the word redeem um, means to buy back. And it's a wonderful thing here that the promise of God is that the time that we've wasted and the time that we have misused, we can buy back. It's like what the prophet Joel said in Joel 2 and 25, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. And he was speaking to Israel there, and they had wasted their time, and they'd been involved with idolatry and things. But the Lord says, I'll restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. We might have wasted time, but I'm glad today that God can give us back the blessings of those times that we've wasted. There's the wealth of God's promise. There's the wealth of productivity. You see, when we prioritize time, we are productive. We bring forth fruit because the closer we are joined to the true vine, the more abundantly we will produce and the more abundant will be the fruit that we bring and fruit that will stand for eternity. So there will be the wealth of great productivity. And then there will be the wealth of gracious peace. Because so many people have come to the end of their lives and they have been full of regrets about the fact that I didn't do this and I didn't do that. I didn't spend enough time seeking the Lord. I didn't spend enough time for uh, doing what the Lord wanted me to do. didn't spend enough time with my family. didn't spend enough time in the important things. I wasted my time. You know, the Apostle Paul was able to say at the end of his life, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, he says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that uh, love 
his appearing. We redeem the time. We don't get caught up in that crazy rat race that's fueled by covetousness and materialism and greed and ungodliness. We redeem the time. We use it for the uplifting of Christ. We use it for the exaltation of our Savior. We use it so that we are a blessing to our families and to our friends and to those around about us and to our community and to our nation at the end of the day. Will we be a, a blessing as our life draws towards its close? He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. May God enable us to redeem the time and may we have that good time management for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just close our meeting in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee today for the time that we have spent around thy feet today. We know it is no wasted time. We thank thee as a blessed time. No, God, we uh, recognize today, we confess that so often we waste time. We get caught up in things that are of no account as far as eternity is concerned. But, oh God, we pray that we might prioritize our time and that the Lord will be first and all the other things that we've mentioned, that they might have their place, their proper place in what we do. So, Lord, come and bless us now and write thy word upon our hearts and separate us in thy fear and with thy blessing now. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen.